Safe Space Radio, also known as Art Star Scene Radio, on Radio Free Brooklyn. It's still ASS Ass Radio. I am Face Boy. I am Lucas. Uh, with us at home in California, Adam Smyer. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. The first thing I want to talk about is something I've been eager to talk to you about, a lawyer. And I think I understand what it is, but... I might not. Did you hear about uh, that habeas corpus has been put on hold? In New York City. In New York City. No habeas petitions are being heard? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So yeah. Judge said, I'm not going to listen to any of them. Yeah. It's really serious. I mean, it's like... I thought they were letting people out because of the virus. No, they're holding people for longer than 24 hours. Um the people who have been who the protesters. So, oh, yes. yeah, the, the, you, they were letting people out, but that was they were letting people out actually, who have been like already convicted. This is different. This is the protesters. Yeah, yeah. If it's someone who is a nonviolent criminal, they got five months left on their on their on their sentence, and they're over a certain age, then we let them out early. But this is something totally different. Can you explain? Because I might not have explained it correctly. What habeas corpus is? My understanding of habeas, I, I practice, uh, I, I'm, my expertise is in a completely different area, but my understanding of habeas is that it's a, a type of, I guess, pleading for want of a better word, that uh, someone uh, in, that's incarcerated, that's been detained, can bring directly to a court claiming that there's some circumstance that renders their uh, detainment unfair, unconstitutional in some way. So prisoners will bring it because, for example, medical care is uh, is non-existent or, or affirmatively harmful sometimes or or abuse. I, I don't know what sort of success rate they have. They might not have a very high success rate, but I think it's, if if I were locked up, I would definitely uh, take a shot at a, a habeas just, just because, you know, you would appeal and so forth, and then you would come from a different direction on it. I think um, they're taking liberty to... Um... The, the fact that it's been suspended because I've heard of a lot of cases of like trans people being called it and then being sexually assaulted by the cops because they're trying to decide what gender is they are. And then which, which, how are they being assigned to um, they're a being, facility? They're being purposely misassigned often and made their, the cops are making jokes about it. This is what I've seen on the internet today. Um, and they, in, and there's been a lot of calling them it. Wow. Yeah. Which, you know, like, I think I think under habeas corpus, people would be more afraid to act this way. But now they're feeling like they're they're feeling like they have a green light to do whatever they want. I'm for some reason, maybe it's because I've been gone so long. I left I left New York a long time ago, but I'm a little surprised by de Blasio. Yeah, um, he seems he seems like a police apologist. And I didn't necessarily think of him that way. Yeah, you know, he just recently, um, some people have been saying, you can't hide behind your black family anymore. You know, it's very clear 
where you're, um, it's very clear. You're, you're making yourself clear. Wow. I mean, that's old New York, right? That's like, that's like Koch, New York or Giuliani, New York. That's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's not, it's, I feel, you know, I live on a cock, uh, a cop block and I have to be like, let on and off my block. He lives time. across the street from a precinct. And so I can't go on and off the block without asking permission from the cops. And it's like very hard to deal with them in that way every day because I want to be angry with them, but I try not to make them hate me so that they let me on the block. <laughs> they have like have a roadblock? They have roadblocks and they have to physically, I can, I'm not allowed to touch the barrier and they have to physically let me on. And then one day I did move it because an old man, they were not moving it for an old man. And I was like, and like I said to the cops, I was like willing to get arrested for it. I was like, this old man needs to get out. Are you talking about in a car or on foot? Um, the day that they were not letting us in or out was they were in car. Usually they're, they're supposed to stand there, but they just had their car there. And this old man was there and he was like, you know, couldn't stand any longer. And I just touched the gate myself. I was, and I told them what I was doing. And I told them why I was doing it, and they didn't arrest me, but they did get a little mad. But um, then when they actually saw the man, they realized, like, it was, like, the man was, like, very old, like, um, stumbling, you know, like, with his walker. He really couldn't stay, like, waiting. Wow. Just to let our listeners know who haven't been, who haven't been listening to the show very long, uh, Adam Smyer is an attorney uh, and an author and my friend since junior high school. If you listen to last week's show, which we recorded about an hour and a half ago, also a classmate of our last guest, Norman Spiller. We had Norman on. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we tried to talk about Black Lives Matter the whole time, but we ended up talking a lot about marijuana, too. Of course. Because it was Norman <laughs> and me. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, Norman. But then How's I kept doing? having to smoke. Um, Norman's doing great. He looks fantastic. Yeah. He's, you know, you and Norman and Robert are like the reason why I started really working out. Because I'm like, my junior high school buddies, like fucking Adam, he's got a black belt, looks fantastic. Norman has been doing Tai Chi for 20 years. Robert's Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. I can't be this guy that's slowly turning into someone who's both fat and skinny at the same time. I can't do it. I can't. You're doing okay. No, so, you're doing right. great. He's he's. I'm looking at you right now. He's he does a lot of push-ups now and a lot of pull-ups. When he first started, he couldn't do a pull-up. A no and, shit. Yeah. And he yeah. does a lot of pull-ups. I mean, Five I I struggle with pull-ups sometimes, and he he does them every day. Pull-ups suck. Yeah, I'm up to 15 of those a day. That's a lot. That's crazy. Oh. You know, a lot of people can't do one pull-up. Some days I can't. Some days I can do a lot. I'm when I started, I couldn't scared. do one pull-up. I'd say I'd say. Hey, uh, I'll I'll be back in a minute. I, I'm gonna go do my half a pull up. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> did. You just say that. <laughs> I would say it, and and unapologetically, because I know everybody. You got to start somewhere, and yeah. if I get discouraged by the fact that I can't do one push up, uh, no, it's more the case of hey, I can do a half a pull up now. I'm gonna go do my half a pull up. Right, what you can do, not what you can't do. There's always somebody that can do more. That's just what it is. Oh yeah, you know. And for me, you know, at our age, it's it's about maintaining. If you're if you're going for it, then that's yeah. a whole other level. You yeah, know? he never he never really exercised, and he's trying for the first time, and he's, you know, I think it's really admirable. There was no guide for it. There was no guide. I looked up. I did research on uh, you know on exercises for 
55 year olds and i'm like i see these videos now you just swing your arms just swing them just arms. and i'm like no it's man like I chair yoga <laughs> it's like just just stay in the chair and do that's what we do in my eating disorder treatment we do chair yoga and i'm like what the fuck i get like triggered by chair yoga i i want to throw things during chair yoga See, we're identifying a market here, right? There's like you're you're 20 and and you have a six pack and you want a 10 pack, and then there's you're 80 and you're sitting in a chair. Where's where's a, a routine for routine us? Where's you know? He said fit it. as fuck at 55. Is his like um his yeah that was the plan. Line. Fit as fuck at 55. Because that's when he began. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, at 55 was when he began. I think it's a great tagline. It's a lot that of ifs. Yeah, alliteration <laughs> sells. <laughs> no, <laughs> fit as fuck at 55. <laughs> There we go. Alliteration does sell. Guns now. I got guns now for the first time in my life. And so I I kept a, I did a lot of research. Uh, I kept a journal, a daily journal of everything, you know, not just when I was improving, but like, oh my God, it's been months and months and I haven't seen any improvement whatsoever. Oh yeah, he used to whine. He used to whine. I was like, this is just how it goes. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did you feel different were you going were you going by looks or by how you felt i think he looks because he's very vain true but because he did got feel easier different over time right i mean a month at some point you must have you must have found yourself just kind of doing it whereas it, you used to wonder oh he absolutely did it, right yeah. I, I was there yeah. every day with his journey and he absolutely felt like a month in he was excited about it the first month he was like this sucks I hate this, you know, and everyone's going to feel that way because it's not easy to jump in after you've, you know, Francis was was lucky enough to be skinny his whole life, so he didn't really have to work out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's really what happened. You didn't, you never really worked out and that's okay, but you, I don't know, what you did is very, very brave. I think a lot of people are scared to, to start these things later in life. Yeah, and it's then, very tempting to say something. It's too late, but that's oh, your yeah. call. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think he could really maybe you know speak to people about this and help people feel more motivated because he did a lot of research and there's nothing out there, and like that seems like a, a market of people that really should, you know, like fifty five is a really a time. My mom started to get fit older, and she lowered her cholesterol. She lowered her blood pressure. She's done like really well, and I think, you know, it's. I've seen it with both my mom and, and Francis. There's a lot that goes into it, you know. As you know, also the, the diet is is way important. What you what you're eating, you know. For example, I learned that blueberries help with muscle recovery. So I have like a half a bowl to a bowl of blueberries every morning, and I'm not sore at the end of the day. I'm not sore the next day from from working out. And, uh, and there are, there's different foods that do different things at different times of the day and different parts of your workout. And I just taught myself all this shit, and and not, I didn't spend one dime, not one dime. I did not get a gym membership that you know people. That's the first you thing people do. You did get a gym do. membership, babe. You didn't use they it. They get a gym membership and then they don't use it. <laughs> You, know? <laughs> you did and actually. How time, how, how time intensive was it? So you were able to you were able to do everything you have to do in your life and do this. Oh yes. yeah, but he gets militant sometimes. You know, he has a hard time. I'm like, you can do your exercises at any time in the day. You don't have to do them at like 10 a.m. when you normally do them. But he he's very much like that's his end time, and he wants to. So he doesn't want to like shift the day. 
No, I don't. <laughs> no, and that's, I don't. you know, I, I feel like my therapist would say you need, like, a little bit of flexibility, but schedule's good, but maybe, like, a little flexibility. But you know what, though? We know what we will and won't do. Like, if, if I were like that, it would be because... If I didn't do it at 10, I was definitely not going to do it. I see. You know what I mean? Like I have mm-hmm. like a window and I know I have this conversation with people all the time, right? Because I know I've, I've, I've read the manual for this brain and I know yeah. that I have to play this trick on it or it's going to play that trick on me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's just what it is to, you know, Yeah, at to a certain age, here. you know how to like, um, you know how to control your brain. I think that we say that it's so hard to get older, but the nice thing about getting older is you start to really like master your own brain. How old are you? I'm 33. Okay, I no, was like, wow, I'm ju- you. I'm just you at must- that point where I feel like people keep telling me I'm old, you know. So I'm like, okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, I was like born a woman. I think people who are born women get told at my age that they're old. They're like, you're useless. You can't pop babies out of you anymore. Like, no more use. Actually, that is a point. No more use for you. it's funny because I was just watching Broad City before this, and it was the one where uh, Abby turns 30. Yeah. Yeah, And she's she's going through all kinds of changes about that. I haven't seen that one, but it's a very common thing. I remember turning. Th- I mean, it's, yes, especially women. But I remember turning thirty and kind of freaking out that I was getting old. And yeah, it's like you're like, oh no, now I was supposed to have done something, and like I did everything I wanted to do, but I didn't do like anything else. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Not true. Not true. I did. I did a lot. I did a lot, but it was all the things I wanted to do. Like, what's wrong with that? Yeah, I mean, I just feel like I could have been a little more serious or something. Mm. <laughs> My personal philosophy is the first 30 years are a write-off, and if you're going to fuck up, you should probably fuck up then. Because, like, it's it's cute. It's cute in your 20s. Like, if there was a chart, like, how cute it is you as get you get paid. older, I was it, I was a drops. sex worker. Like, I was a stripper. They, they paid me to be, like, fucking a mess. They were like, here. Oh, that's they funny. They didn't pay you to be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they paid me because I was a really good dancer, but <laughs> they paid me. But to it's, be a, a it's a package deal. No, but I mean, yeah, get that out your system. It's you know, it's uh, a yeah. for one thing. Like we're talking about recovery, it's harder to bounce back. You know, yeah. people. I, I feel like like employers and such kind of look the other way a little bit about gaps in your resume in your twenties because they were in their twenties, but you have a five year gap in your resume in your forties. And... Yeah, and everyone's like, "What mental <laughs> breakdown did you have?" Yeah, what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm t- I'm starting to get serious now. I was thinking of going to become a lawyer, but I decided that um. I do a lot of cocaine with lawyers, and I think that I would rather maybe have, not to say that all lawyers do cocaine, I know they don't, but I just think I'd rather have, like, therapists as my colleagues. Oh, I get that. No, I, I hear that. Who your peer group is going to be in any particular situation, it's huge. Yeah, and I just think, like, I've been partying with lawyers for years, and I know mm-hmm. lawyers party. They come in and use, like, I was one of their, like, strippers that they would use because I was smart enough to have a conversation with the other lawyers, like, that they would use sort of to, like, entertain their clients and, like, try to get big client deals. Um, and I, I, so I know the lawyer game, and I know that it's going to end me up, like, if I end up in a big firm, I'm going to end up in a lot of the same situations that I've need to get out of now for me personally uh, one, some people like, are I'll very s- good at not 
falling in that system, you know? The one, the one thing I'll say to that is that the New York big firm scene is not representative of the entire profession. Okay, that's that makes, all. That's that makes a very sense. specific thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm I know like the New York scene, but I like play. I played. A, I don't think I'm willing to lose leave New York though, and I played a role in that. And I was just like, you know, what? I think I would rather have the therapist as my colleagues. Like, I, I I would personally like I love the lawyers, and they've been really good to me. There are some of the people who convinced me to get out of sex work, convinced me to move on in my life, but they also like are never going to stop partying, and I'm never going to stop partying if I'm hanging out with them. And what's the, what's the deal with therapists? I guess they they do less cocaine. Right? Yeah, they do. <laughs> they're not okay with. They said I can't. They're like gonna welcome me in their little peer group as long as I stop doing the cocaine. Wow. <laughs> because I'm, I'm I see a lot of therapists now in like the arts therapy, and that's what I want to go to. It's a very small field, and so they're very like they are very excited for me in the field as long as I stop doing cocaine. It's, it's a conditional acceptance. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I think. I think people who want to be lawyers should should be lawyers. I, I I don't know that it's something to just just fall into for one of any better ideas. I just wanted to. Be, I wanted. To, I was trying to figure out where my best advocacy would be because I really want to help like p- groups that are not as like thought about. So like men who have been raped, sex workers, like just groups who have not been as thought about. And I was like, maybe my best, I would do my best work as a lawyer, but I really do think I would do my best work as a therapist. I just, I kind of was tiptoeing away from it at first because I didn't want to get better. And you can't be a therapist if you don't want to get better. Um, you can be a, you can be a lawyer, I think. Now they say that therapists are kind of a trip in their own way. I mean, are you saying that 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 population you you know them as individuals to be stable? The the ones who so in this arts therapy like community in New York City, so it's like drama therapists, art therapists, dance therapists, like it's a small community and I've seen many of them. I went to school at NYU for educational theater and we took classes with the drama therapy program and those are the people who have ended up saving me from my own mental illness. They they are stable. They're like very stable and responsible. Um, our program at NYU really like raised us to be that way. I think I just felt like I couldn't live up to that at one point, but now I do feel like I can. All right, I want to start steering things more towards what we wanted to do yeah, uh, here. We, that's okay. <laughs> we, we, we're going to go where we're going to go, but uh, I want to talk uh, about Black Lives Matter. We're doing sort of a series on that, and what I would like to explore a little bit with Adam here is um, in what ways have you uh, personally been profiled, in what ways have you have you uh, dealt with harassment, specifically from the police? Also, what you think are the pro- the st- systemic problems that have to do with police and people of color? And finally, ideas that you think would help go towards uh, solutions. So let's start with uh, your personal inst- instances. I'm black. I'm 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 black. I was born in 1965 in New York City, right? So there 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 you go. Um, I it, I kind of feel like anybody can give you that. You know what I mean? Like if and I guess if you're you're just laying a foundation, and I get that. But everybody knows, right? Everybody knows already. So you don't necessarily need my racism porn to like 
for us to be on the same page. Because I, I feel like the world is populated by people who um, see what they see and the ones who don't see what they see. And that's, that's arguably a little biased. But the fact that we're still arguing whether black lives matter, uh, there are a lot of conversations I'm not having because they're not worth my time. Yeah. I, I, my friend, she recently had to leave my eating disorder treatment because she just felt like these practitioners, these therapists were asking her to educate them in a way that like they had no right to. And she felt like it, it's not my fucking responsibility to educate you. Right. I mean, I, I should be asking you because you're the guys who are, you know, privy to conversations about me in my absence, me and mine. And the gaslighting is pretending that those aren't happening. Yeah, those happen, but I go crazy. But <laughs> you no. Hulk out. <laughs> no, I, babe, can you describe me? What's that? Can you describe me like when people are talking badly about like black people or just can you describe what happens? It's frenetic. We'll start there. <laughs> um, but. Uh, so you had mentioned, uh, conversations that you're just not going to have. What are the conversations that you do want to have? Uh, what are the conversations that I do want to have? You know, I'm in such a wait and see mode right now. Two weeks ago, I would have told you that, um, I've seen this all before, as have you. I, I would have said that this we're just in phase one of a cycle I've been through seriously maybe 40 times, right? And this is phase one. Phase two is the acquittal. And I was really kind of like protecting myself against this idea that something was going to change because this is America. It's nothing's going to change. And I, I still largely feel that way. But it's hard to say that what exactly is happening today has happened before. I just, uh, I hit Wikipedia real quick this morning. At LA 92 lasted about a week. And it was everywhere, but it, it wasn't like this. And it ended after about a week. You know, this is the first time all 50 states and all countries have participated. It's really something. Yeah. Now, here's, here's the thing, though, that scares me about that is, you know, the normalization process is such, it's kind of up or out, right? I mean, either something changes or this is the new normal. And people will understand that the world can take to the streets and risk life and limb in multiple ways for weeks, and you still don't have to do anything because it'll peter out. It's like, you know, the first time your boyfriend grabs your arm, Either you leave or maybe you're just somebody who gets your arm grabbed sometimes. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, that's why I'm in wait and see mode. Because if something comes of this, great. If we go back to how it was two weeks ago when really equally horrible things were happening on video. If we go back to that, then in a way this was a step backward. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit of... of on the on the wait and see because it does seem 
it does seem like this is different. It does seem like this is different. It does seem, and and uh, and it would make sense because we're the whole world is dealing with the pandemic. The whole world has been, you know, we, we've had the the lockdown affects people. It changes people. It, you know, if you are if you are have it, it has been shown that people that are exposed to stress for long periods of time. Things come out of them, like a lot of their true personalities start to emerge. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. Um, and so you you combine that with these this uh, horrific uh, these horrific things that that have been happening, and uh, and and maybe just maybe there is a change. And that's one of the reasons why instead of trying to work with uh, a different host while Lucas is away um, or doing repeats. The, the reason I wanted to, to pre-record is because if it does, if it is gone two weeks from now, maybe this show will be a reminder of how you all felt two weeks ago. Yes, yes. Yeah, make, make your record, preserve it for, you know, and maybe that'll, maybe that'll be necessary. Maybe it'll make a difference. Maybe it won't. Who, who knows? I got my first major inkling that I didn't know where the bottom was when Grab Him By The Pussy didn't end it. Yeah. When he said that and it just blew over, I was like, oh, this is a, this is a different game. This is, I don't know what this is. I thought it was completely over too. And I thought, and I felt like when, when the debate came, I mean, that came, that came out uh, during the day and the next, and that evening there was a debate with Hillary, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was that evening there was a debate. And, uh, and, or it might have been the next day. And I'm like, how is he even going to show his face to the public? How is he even going to, like, I mean, this is the time to apologize and bow out. Uh, uh, but no, no. Uh, locker room banter. Just locker room banter. Um, not a puppet. You're the puppet. That's 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 carved into granite somewhere in DC, right? I mean, it's just and, so it's just so classic. And and then uh, Hillary did not hammer in the point. She really didn't hammer she's the point. You know, so, she, she's just don't get me she, started. Instead of <laughs> don't get know, me started either. She she just kind of let it go, and he's like locker room banter, you know, to her too, and 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 probably, and, it's, I, and she should. I know said, this is an unpopular opinion, but she probably killed Epstein, so it probably doesn't. I have this vision. I have this vision of her being like, well, well, Bill, I don't like to fuck him, but I like to hear him scream. <laughs> oh my! That's my vision of her. Like it's like that can't be our Democratic candidate, okay? You don't think the pizza shop thing is true? I don't know. I don't no. Know. But what she should have said <laughs> is, 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 no, this is not locker room banter. You are advocating sexual assault. I saw and, Biden, and, though, like fucking and, like, and, assaulting this girl's face. Like, ugh, like all over <sighs> it. Like, we, he's bad, too. We need a better, we need Bernie. We need Bernie. Bi Biden's a, a little handsy. Uh, yeah, I, I'm Biden, Biden is definitely will definitely be a hands-on type of president. I'm disappointed by the primaries. I mean, I'm I'm trying to be practical. I'm trying to be realistic, and this is where we find ourselves. But I was, um, yeah, I mean, there we're were there were other candidates I was more excited about during the primaries. Almost uh, all of them, except for like Bloomberg. And... 
Spielberg. And that that basic cat, that piece of oh, wonder. Oh, that woman. <laughs> no, no, the other one. There were two. There were two of the same guy. I swear to God, it was the same guy changing his tie. And then <laughs> one was out real quick, and then another one lasted a long, long time, and he wasn't anything. Yeah. <laughs> and he outlasted. He outlasted some really good people, which told me what I needed to know. And and so and here we are. Well, it was nice to see Warren take down Bloomberg. That was fun. Oh, that yeah, that great. was great. <laughs> that was awesome. I really like her. I'm sad. I'm, I really liked her. Like, that's like a female candidate that we can all get behind and say, like, I'm with her. How can you say I'm with her with some bitch that fucking ruined, like, a child secretary? She was like, oh, let's just ruin her. Let's just send emails to ruin her. Like, I don't know why you're using the campaign I'm with her because you've never been with a woman ever, Hillary. Is this, this is okay because I thought you were talking about no, uh, I just think, Amy for a I second. I think Hillary ruin, ruined Monica Lewinsky. I think she ruined that girl. I think oh. that that's very wrong. And I think to use the campaign I'm with her is very offensive after doing that. She was uh, she was not great. And, and we might not have even heard the last of her because that motherfucker wants to be president. you are listening to art star scene radio also known as a safe space radio on radio free brooklyn if you like what you're hearing or if you feel like you want to support freeform radio maybe something that you heard on this show was something you wanted to say and you feel good that it was brought out or maybe maybe got a couple of laughs maybe you got something to think about uh or for whatever reason, I know that things are very difficult for everybody. For Radio Free Brooklyn, what happened is when we closed our studios, we lost a significant amount of revenue from renting out the studios for podcasts. The studio wasn't just for our shows, it was for the podcasts as well. And um, so we lost that revenue. We were also just turned five years old in May, and we had a drive to five campaign that, to try to raise $25,000. And we had reached about half that, twelve, little over $12,000. And when the coronavirus hit, all the giving stopped, which I understand people needed to look after themselves. People needed to take care of themselves. But now maybe you, you, you see that, uh, that we've gotten past a lot of hurdles and maybe you have a little, a little extra. Uh, think about donating to Radio Free Brooklyn at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash support. And keep in mind that your donations are 100% tax deductible. We are a nonprofit organization. You can write this shit off on your taxes while you're doing something good for, uh, for Freeform Radio. Right now, radio, especially in times of crisis, people turn to radio more than they ever do in, 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 in any, uh, uh, more than they ever do at any other times, uh, in life and we hope to provide you when you turn to us with things that are thoughtful meaningful informative and helpful so please radiofreebrooklyn.org slash support i'm getting better at this <laughs> that was that was very professional very compelling i'm i'm actually you know uh, uh, some of the conversations we've been having in the last few months is you know how 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 is this virus going to change uh the world we live in long term and and how much of it is for the better and i'm wondering if maybe things like this are are you know going to see a a boost in popularity because people are home or people are more reflective or you know i'm kind of hoping this this uh turns into not necessarily a good thing for you but a game hopefully they don't lose the station because 
if they can't afford to keep it open because they can't rent it out. I mean, I guess worst comes to worst, we would do things like this and home broadcast. Yes. No, I mean, it might look different, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if listenership went up or at it least did. didn't go it down. Did go up. It, it went up. April, yeah. April was, April was our highest listenership down. ever in the history of the station. It's just the money wow. went down, but like the Understood. listenership went up. Yeah. Right. You still have to turn it into money. Yeah. Well, the problem is the money really comes from, I think, I think it has come from renting, but like, I think, you know, we, they might have to maybe put ads there's just there's things that are going to have to be considered right right you know um there's just a lot of ways to turn it into money and like they might if they might have to but i i think that like there's a lot of smart minds behind the studio and like we'll figure it out what's it like in new york right now because there's a lot there's a lot that's just really i mean are the streets crowded empty i mean before the crowded um crowded it's a lot of people like, well, I'm in the East Village, but it's a lot of people yeah, like it, hanging East and, and West are very different. So it's a lot you of people like first. hanging around the bars. Um, they let everyone out of the homeless shelters. So there's blocks and blocks and blocks of people like with homeless shelters. Everyone, there's homeless people everywhere. They're attacking not that, you. Not that they let them out. They, they, they closed the shelters. I'm sorry. They, I didn't mean to say let them out. Like I meant to say they like didn't provide them with any services. They're still, the shelters are all still closed as like a health hazard? Um, no, that... I mean, they just, too many people came in and they, they let people, they for, no, didn't let, they forced people out who, I think people with families came in who got kicked out of their apartment and they forced people out who had previously been at the shelter for, for more important cases, you know, because there's only so many cases they could take. So I think a lot of people with families took priority. And so a lot of the people around my age or your age in the homeless shelter got kicked out. Um, and so they're all on the blocks. They're they're like getting very aggressive. Um, I The problem is like in the very beginning, I do give now, but in the very beginning, I wasn't seeing unemployment. They weren't giving me unemployment. I had nothing to give them. I didn't even have money to feed myself. And so... It was very heated. I don't know. So it's like dominoes. I mean, there was a there was an impact, and then the like the wave of yeah. those affected. Wow. And there, so these homeless people are desperate, and I, I've just it's like the New York that you like, like I was like I always wanted to know what East Village was like, and it's like, like back in the day, like this is what it was like though. Like, it's like, wish for, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Maybe I like, didn't really need to see this. Um, and it's just, it's sad because, like, I can't help much. And, like, I've tried to tell them about, like, resources. But I think it's just, there's only so much you can do. In my neighborhood, uh, a lot of the people who I used to see that were the homeless people, for example, uh, I, I'm not seeing them anymore in my neighborhood. I guess they're all going to going to Lucas's neighborhood. Um, uh, there's because uh, because it's not a, a case of the people in this money in this neighborhood don't have the money. They do. The people here are rich, but they will not come within six feet of a homeless person to give them any money. And so people have figured out, well, I'm not getting anything here. Uh, so I'm, so it's not benefiting me to be panhandling in this neighborhood anymore. Uh, so they would have, they would have put something in the cup before the virus. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Um, 
everything is closed. There's a there's a McDonald's that's opened around the corner from me. Every now and then, the uh, yeah Subway has reopened. Some delis are open. Um, and there there are not very many people on the street. Almost everyone is being compliant. They're wearing masks. They're social distancing. The people that aren't doing that are the fucking joggers that really piss me off because they they come out of nowhere and yeah fucking open mouths and they're heavy breathing and they're they're not covered and yeah and and they really really piss me off they really piss me off um uh anyway but other than them (laughs) you don't have it's you don't have tent cities going on where you are it's no and so is it otherwise um crowded not crowded dense? not very crowded not very crowded at interesting. all interesting it's it's uh in the beginning it was like a friggin' ghost town it was freaky and and like i remember for years and years saying man i wish it wasn't so loud my oh, man i wish it wasn't so crowded <laughs> i got my fucking wish wow. yes um uh do you think it will change back or do you think this is you will you will be explaining why the way things are in yeah. this context for, you know, indefinitely. There are going to be changes that are permanent. Uh, there are going to be changes that are permanent. I don't think people are, I, I don't think the masks are ever going to completely go away. I think that we're going to see them in public transport in public transportation and, and in other, uh, in large gatherings. I think uh, how much people made fun of Asian people for that. Think of how much Americans made fun of Asian people for that. They were so ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone fucking taunted them, called them disease sick. Um, I like a girl in my Asian sort of program who's Asian, she wore a mask because she had a slight cold and she's from from Asia and so she just thought it was respectful when she went to college to wear a mask that day and everybody got really like, paranoid about her and wouldn't like speak to her anymore. And my understanding is that, you know, a lot of cultures not only like embraced it, but actually like put us a, a little bit of chic around it. Like it became like a fashion thing, which oh, was oh, yeah. really yeah, smart. Happened. This that is, is my yeah. leather. My leather. Um, <laughs> I'm a rhinestone. I have my, one. I my, have one that niece made. That's uh, that's. Uh, uh, oh, that's Beatles. a Beatles theme. One. You have one of those too. Yeah, but um, my th- my nutritionist said that I'm not going to be able to breathe through the leather. But I was like, whatever. <laughs> That's true fashion. Uh, That's true. Like, I was in burlesque yeah, for a long time. Your commitment is... Uh, <laughs> uh, here's one. Uh, this is a, a New York-based per, uh, burlesque performer. Right. Yeah. Okay. And you that can is see, like that's, pimped yeah. out. Yeah, that's a that's a look. Like at, at you need that now. Like if that's your look, you need that now. That's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's all right. Yeah, uh, I think that we're going to see uh, a lot less. I think that I think that working from home is going to become a lot more common. I think people are going to say, you know what, maybe we didn't need this much office space. Maybe we didn't need these many people coming in this many hours a day. Uh, I think that's going to... That's, that's bad. Th- that's that's like less people are going to have jobs. No, that doesn't mean less people yeah, are going to have jobs. Yeah, there's just going to be a lot less people having jobs. No, well, it's going to be... Fewer people supporting those spaces. 
like if that's what you're saying to the extent that there's like you know an ecosystem like an economy around office space True. yeah we're, we're gonna have to find something else for them because we've proven that we we didn't we haven't needed to do that for a while like maybe we used to sure in the olden days of 2000 but we've proven in the last three months that it was never necessary to to go through that ritual yeah yeah and and uh and and commuting two three hours some some folks to a space that they didn't need to be that's true uh, that's true and like places like it's going to allow a lot of people to like move out of the city, which we desperately need because the city is being massively gentrified. We can't have all these office people who don't need to be in their offices taking up all the apartments when they really want to live in fucking upstate. Let them live upstate and get the fuck out. So sorry. I have feelings. It's just, you know, there's a balance, <laughs> right? Because there's the, there's the New York Francis and I grew up in, and that was, you know, the... That was that porridge was too hot, and then there's the the New Old York New that York. I that I oh. know from you know a year ago, and and that was unrecognizable yeah. it, because it had been overrun. It's gross. It's it so had been gross. overrun. Right. But, you know so, those people are starting to go home. I have noticed that about the East Village. A lot of these kids who have like too much money in the East Village, they didn't stick around. I don't know if they'll come back after the coronavirus, but they didn't stick around for it. I just hope that that we could maybe freeze it somewhere on the continuum where, you know, short of a, a tire fire on every block, yeah. but not uh, completely devoid of any uh, edge or authenticity. <laughs> that sounds good. I like that. I like that a <laughs> no, lot. Well said. well said. Well said. Now, I really want to see a change, and I mean nationwide, in policing. And uh, and this is something I, I definitely want to talk about. I've, I've mentioned this p particular thing twice. I'm going to mention again. It disturbs the hell out of me that when there's a large event, the police are used to put up the barricades. This is not... This is a this is a you simple just talked job. talked about this earlier, didn't you? Or was that I know, but show? it would have been a week ago for people listening. No, I think you talked about it... You didn't talk about this twice today? Yeah, yeah. No, not twice. Well, yeah, this is the second time today. I think this is the third time today. No, I talked about it All yesterday right, as on. well. You're, so this is, you're, this you're is messing the with time. the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this is very Breaking fresh. The fourth nearby. wall, I do that sometimes. So, so there are jobs like that that I believe uh, we should start we should start giving those jobs to people who who need those jobs. I don't like paying a police officer's salary for something that that uh, that en that just about anyone can do. And there are so many things like that that the police do. I mean, one day someone woke up and said, "You know what? Maybe we should just have meter maids." <laughs> Maybe we don't need police to do this. Wow. And guess what? It worked. Wow. You know, a friend of mine just posted something on Facebook about that. Um, I think it's okay to say her name. <clears throat> uh, Michaela Cannell, SFPD officer that I've known for many years, has just floated the idea of, and, and I'm sure she didn't invent this, but I got this idea from her of sort of elevating the job. Oh, yeah. You know, with more training, which would probably require more pay, and actually fewer duties. Less, but, and then you'd pay other more, people less to do the right, things and, like, yeah. more of a focus on the core of the job and maybe upping the quality of those functions rather than some sort of catch-all that you can do without a lot of schooling. You know, in New York, it right. takes longer to become a barber than it does to become a police officer. 
When I read this, I thought immediately about teachers, like same thing. You yeah, know, we're not ele- paid elevate well, the, pro- right, elevate sorry, the profession. I was not paid well when I was a teacher. That's the difference. That, Police that, officers that, are paid better than teachers. But I'm, that's what I'm saying is it might benefit from the same process. Elevate, elevate. elevate the position, um, focus it, and then and then judge those people harshly. Pretty highly. Than the standards, right. Yeah. Right. And then you're going to attract you're going to attract uh, a higher caliber of person to the profession. Uh, you know the the people that are attracted to this profession in New York City are are not the are not very intelligent people, are not people with uh, with a great deal of other prospects. That's just that's just truth. That's just the way it is. This this was told to me from a retired. NYPD uh, officer uh, who is with the NYPD for over 20 years. He, he's he's like it, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And the people that you know because the, the job in New Jersey pays better and is less hazardous, the better candidates they're just going there. So we're getting we're getting crap. You know we're we're getting people who are like I said not very bright and and uh, and didn't have a lot of other prospects. That's not who I want to have supposedly protecting and serving me. No. And maybe, I talk maybe this will get somewhere. Maybe this is part of the change that'll mm-hmm. happen. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, so we have to rebuild it otherwise it, otherwise it's just <clears throat> we're at the bottom of the mountain right now and everybody's like I'm tired, but it's like we really have to think like we're at the bottom of the mountain. We either have to like climb up that whole mountain or we have to give up at the bottom. That's not like we'll stay here if we give up. And it's not just we're gonna have to really organize. And I, I think I another thing I think would be a it would go a long way. It wouldn't go the whole way. But just electing the right DA, there are already mechanisms in place. Oh, yeah. There is a lack of political will, and and I, I feel like the just just the right person making that decision totally would be a sea change. How do you Accounting, think that could happen? I, I know there's a lot of money going the other way. There's there's organization. There's political pressure. There's unions. There's pension funds. No, I'm not saying that's easy. But people thought Bernie had a shot at being president. Totally. Yep. So, so we could it seems like similar, similar New York district yeah. attorney seem that makes that seem doable. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, Bernie's still pretty going far. I mean, yeah, I think it. I think you're right. Um, do you feel like there's any good candidates for that at the moment, or not really? I mean, I don't. I don't know about New York. I, I'm. I'm a Kamala fan. Yeah. In part because, I, I know people who, know her because I, you know, because she was a a public sector attorney in the Bay Area. Okay. And um, so so some of the things that I've heard about her are not around policy, but rather just kind of who she is as a person when nobody's looking. And I was impressed by that stuff. I also don't think she also always struck me as the person who was least afraid. You know, just I'm not whether it's at Senate hearings or on the debate stage. Warren, I felt the same way about. But there's there's just a way so many of the candidates were cowed. And Kamala is not, and she's still not. And <clears throat> she has a bad rap, you know. Um, there's a whole, like, you know, she's a cop, whatever. But uh, I, she, she, p- 
part of part of the pressure Kamala was up against was not just from the left, but also from cops, from some of the decisions she made applying the law as she saw it. And so that's I guess that's the quality that I'm talking about yeah. for New York and other places. Just somebody who's going to call balls and strikes yeah. a little bit independently and objectively and based on what the law is. OK, so you you killed somebody without justification. That's murder. You know, just somebody who would say that, for example. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a couple of things because we don't have that much time left uh, on a little on somewhat of lighter note. Why on your cover photo are you standing in front of a chalkboard with the word motherfucker? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know that picture. I, I was uh, I was guest lecturing at uh, uh, Berkeley City College and uh, I don't maybe we were talking about dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I can't yeah, I would I would I would assume that yes. <laughs> uh Knucklehead. That's uh your your novel. Debut um, novel. Debut novel. Uh, one of the I really loved love that book. I love it, I love it, I love it. Anyone who has not read it yet, it's most certainly available. Um, and uh, how has how has that uh, affected you, having a novel and it seemed to do well? It I still, I still marvel over it because I feel like I was trying to say the same thing for 50 years in different ways playing music, you know, writing essays, all kinds of stuff. I feel like I've had one thing to say, and I've been saying it, and it had not really been landing. I mean, yes, sometimes, even even the music stuff. A woman stopped me on the street and called me by my stage name maybe three years ago, and I stopped, I broke that band up in like 98. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, there's, you never know, right? But it wasn't like in a a self-sustaining way. So then this book comes out and the reception was very, very different. And I still don't exactly understand why this combination of words was received so profoundly different than other very similar combinations of words over the decades. So in some ways... I feel like I've turned into that asshole who's always saying like, never quit, never quit, because it wasn't, it wasn't gradual. It was decades of angry yawns, and then people actually were reading it and getting it. Like it was, I didn't read reviews for a long time, and then I started reading reviews, and I was really surprised that not only did people like it, but they got it. Because another pitfall could be that people just, it's lost on them, but the, ha ha, it's funny. It's not yeah. just funny, but it seemed like people really got it. Some of the reviews I read were just incredible. So oh, awesome. I, I don't understand it. It's, it's funny, um, in 2018, there's a, a, a festival out here called Litquake. And I think it was, yeah, 2018, I was on the panel for like up and coming writers. It was called, you know, an overnight success, 10 years in the making. And and that was a, a, a dramatic shift. And then the next year I moderated that panel because the thing kept going. And 
this is the first artistic pursuit I have engaged in that um, would not stop. I could not stop it today. Like mm-hmm. if I was like, I'm out. Everything else I've ever done. When, when I was like, yeah, I'm going to stop. It stopped that day. <laughs> you know, but uh, this one is it, it's keeping going. There are there are, there's are other projects. There are projects that are derived from Knucklehead, um, and I I just keep writing. I just I I've always written though. I go back to that's the confusing part, right? I've always written, so I have one job, and now there are other people doing jobs around it, um, publishers and and such, and and I'm extremely grateful. Little little confused, extremely grateful. And are you working on a second novel? Uh, not a novel. My second book drops September 1st. Oh, wow. What's that? It is, I guess you could call it nonfiction. It is, um, I guess you could say sort of a an etiquette guide, sort of a racial etiquette guide. Couldn't come at a better time. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uncanny because yeah, I, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's called, uh, you can keep that to yourself. <laughs> it is a comprehensive list of things not to say to black people. Oh my god! That's oh exactly. wow! Can can we get some examples? A little uh, a little preview. Oh, some of the some of the usual suspects like ally, for example, and there's like ex- explanations are articulate. There, each each entry is accompanied with a little guide for wh- why the 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 term isn't possibly landing the way you expect it to. Um, some uh, a, a little bit deeper. Uh, Yowza, for example. A lot of people are clueless to the fact that that's a, a catchphrase from minstrel show days and you're at work and somebody will throw that out and it's just yeah. weird. <laughs> um, I did not originally uh, write it as a little self-help guide for well-intentioned people of power to, to carry around with them and and consult before they say something um but it seems like people want that what's the name of the book again you can keep that to yourself you yeah, can like keep that. that to yourself i like that <laughs> september 1st akashic books knucklehead is also out of akashic books in brooklyn new york brooklyn We are running out of time. Uh, you are listening to Art Star Scene Radio, a safe space radio, ASS Radio, ASS Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. Coming up next on Radio Free Brooklyn is Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. Uh, you like money, don't you? You like to laugh. It's a, it's a, it's a. I like both of funny, those. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. money, you like to laugh. Sounds fun. Stick around for Get Rich Quick. That's with awesome, Josh and Noel. <laughs> uh, what what's the story behind the uh, the second uh, alternate uh, name for the show? Well, I have a new host that I'm working with, so I thought I know that it, that the show is going to go into a different direction, and uh, and the direction that that it most makes most sense with Lucas 
is a direction of this is a safe space. This is a place where you're not going to be judged for anything that you say. Not to say that that my previous co-host was a judgmental kind of person. Uh, it's just that Lucas brings something different. And I'm I a big also, like, mental health advocate, and I really try to bring everybody into like um, you know speaking their truths. That's just like the work I'm trying to do in my life. Well, all right. And you kept your acronym, so. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. Specific. I didn't tell him to change every anything. I, I've always. I was the one who told him he should do the redo the radio show. He was trying to give up Art Star scene, and I was like, no. That's you remember? True. I was true. like, no, you can't give it up. You you don't have to go on stage anymore. I said. I mean, that's sad for me because I still want you to go on stage. I will. I'll get back to it. I, I, I well, you you have you have eras, right? Because you had the open mic era, mm-hmm. and yeah. now the, this is this is another era. You had eras before that. Yeah. Yeah. The next thing I want to do is I want to get back. I want to get back into acting, into film, into television, and this time I want to really pursue it. I don't want to do the bullshit like I used to do before, where sometimes I would kind of uh, self sabotage if I was getting too close to something. Uh, you know, I had I had and have a lot of mental problems, and they and and uh, and also uh, that's another reason why I started to to get working out more because when I do get myself in front of the camera, I want to look good. <laughs> yeah, you got to. And yeah, you have to. There are simply a lot more jobs available for actors that are in shape than there are for actors that are not. You know, the actors that are not in shape, they're, you know, maybe get the quirky roles or that they get the extra roles. I want to do some serious acting. Hey, maybe there's not time now, but sometime do you ever talk about Putney Swope? I had Downey Senior as a guest. Awesome. I'll find that. I'll find that and listen to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we definitely talked about Putney Swope. Uh, I think the name of the episode uh, is uh, Truth and Soul, Art Star Scene Radio, Truth and Soul, because I believe that was the name of the company that uh, that uh, that's what, the, what Putney Swope character changed the name of the company to that. I saw Downey Jr. on a little clip on YouTube. I was just surfing around and uh, he and his wife were showing uh, one of their houses, just sort of like a cribs, sort of a uh, sort of thing. I saw and, too. And and the my favorite part was that the house was covered in signs that said "Do not let the cat out." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, these are my people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we are um, almost at time. So. Thank you so much for coming. This was very informative. Um, Francis, do you want to say anything? This was yeah. a great way to meet you, Lucas. This yeah, was... this was a really good way to meet you. I'm yeah. sorry I can't be in person, but one day we will be in person. Yeah, I want to thank totally. you for being generous with your time. I want to thank you, Lucas, for doing the tech and being generous with your time. I want to thank our listeners uh, for tuning in and every single week. To your mother. Okay, good. We're done. We're out. We're out. We're clear. We're clear. <laughs> I was playing the music. I was playing the music.